0: Hey guys, Abel here, back with another interview after a long time and I'm gonna get into that in just a second. We have just some ads to get out of the way. About 15-20 minutes will be just enough for me to get through all the ads. Just kidding, I'm not gonna do that. But no, the only announcement I'd like to make is that now you can actually find all our courses at sustainableselfdevelopment.com under the tab courses. I've got some inquiries that it was hard to find our actual courses like the SSD training and nutrition course which was put together by Berger Fagerli and my new Autoregulatory eating course which by the way, I'm still selling for only 20 bucks because I'm still adding some transcripts and text files to the course. So until that's done, it's gonna remain at only 20 bucks. But all the video lectures, I believe 17 are already up there. And as of some recent feedback from some of the dear customers, they said that it's a really awesome resource and it's been super helpful for them to learn how they can achieve their physique goals without tracking macros. So yeah, you can find all of that under sustainableselfdevelopment.com at the courses tab. And that's all the announcements I'd like to make. And today I'm talking with Ivan, who is a friend of mine. He is a really knowledgeable person when it comes to fitness and just an all-around cool guy. But what makes him especially unique when it comes to fitness is that he recently got down to some ridiculous levels of leanness. I've honestly never seen a person, at least someone that I personally knew, being so extremely lean. I mean, his skin is paper thin. He is most certainly under 5% body fat and he is actually holding on to this. He didn't get down there for a competition or anything like that he didn't do a photo shoot you can't even really find pictures of him online flexing or posing to the camera he just did this for his own personal entertainment and he's holding on to this condition which is just insane so we are going to get into how that feels being that lean what he actually did to get down there and all the mental and psychological and just overall lifestyle management aspects of this because as you can imagine it takes some tweaking of your lifestyle to actually get down there and be able to keep that level of conditioning Not just for one or two weeks, but actually stay there. It's not a walk in the park, as you can imagine. So it will be a really interesting and informative, and I also think entertaining and sometimes funny interview. I really hope you will enjoy it. And with that, let's get into it. All right, uh, everybody, uh, thank you for tuning in. Today we have another interview after a long time, and I'm talking to Ivan. Now I know that's how I pronounce your name. (laughs) Yes, Ivan or Ivan, up to you, depending on where you're from. Okay, because before I said Ivan, but then I heard you in a recent interview, and then they said Ivan, so I was like, shit.
1: Yeah, they, they they're English though, you know. We we're European, so
0: you know, tomato, okay. tomato. Okay, so how how do you say it? Um, Ivan. Ivan. Okay, then you'll be yep. Ivan. Thank you. you. You 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 deserve to be called on your own name, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So Ivan, uh, you're a walking. Uh, what what body part is it? What are you a walking? <laughs> <laughs> uh, a walking penis. Ah, uh, that—that's the one. Oh, your your words, not mine. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. I mean, honestly, on, on the internet, and I have a lot of online friends now in the fitness community, and I saw a lot of people with crazy low body fat percentages. Uh, some people that are more like twelve percent, and they claim to be six, and even exceptional cases where someone might be at an actual six percent body fat, but I actually don't think that I've seen someone as lean as you are. Like maybe maybe ever. So (laughs) you you sent me some pictures and it's just insane. So um
1: Yeah, it was it well it was um yeah it was a true it was a five point nine percent on a DEXA scan. So um from what I gathered, I think anything under five percent or four and a half, you're you're clinically dead on, on that thing. So Good
0: times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you were 5%, 5 point something percent on that, which means that you were probably more like three or four or something.
1: Yeah. So I was, I was 5.9 on DEXA and on, on that same day, I actually got a couple measurements done. Um, so I had a, cause we, at the gym that I work at, I had an in-body machine, um, the BIA ones. So that, yeah, they're not super accurate, but I just wanted to use like, um, a comparison. So if I, on the, on the in-body, I was, yeah, 3% on the dot. Um, and then that that same day I went and got my DEXA done and on the DEXA I was five point nine. So pretty much a double difference, which was to be expected, right? The in body always seems to um, underestimate quite a bit. So I think, yeah, people claiming to be three or, you know, claiming to be five or six percent on inbody, you can maybe be closer to ten to twelve, right? Um, so I don't you know, I think it's I think it is it's it's a pretty good like for some people it does seem to be like double. Whatever you're on the in body, you're Dexa scan will read double. I've had some females who will jump on, um, and it's pretty much exactly the same. But again, I was just using that as a reference point. So when I did measure, you know, a couple weeks after, a month after, three months after, you know, if my body fat was still staying at three percent on the in body, I could make a general assumption that um, my body fat would still be the same on Dexa. You know, so it was it was the best sort of tool I had because you know having a Dexa done very regularly, number one, it's really expensive. And number two, you don't want to, you know, um, there are some risks in regards to X-rays. You know, I don't, I don't think it's too much to deal with, but you know, having it, each DEXA scan is close to a hundred dollars, right? So, I'd rather just have something that's a little bit similar um, and just easier to track progress, right? So.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, just looking at your pictures, I would definitely say that you're closer to the three three <laughs> percent mark than to the six percent mark. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's just insane. So so yeah. The- last time we talked on an online call then even then you were uh, experimenting with kind of some getting crazy shredded type protocols so um, like for how long for how long have you been kind of chasing this goal of getting crazy shredded to be to be fair I've always I've
1: always wanted that goal right I've always wanted to be exceptionally lean and um, I don't know it, it does seem to stem from a very intrinsic place I I really don't I can't define the reason like primarily um, because you know ask most of my friends even down here in Perth I'm usually always covered up um, like I'm not doing it to sort of parade my dick skin leanness <laughs> all, all the time like I literally do do it for myself um, most people think because I'm always enclosed that I'm just malnourished so um, I have that little thing to deal with but you know that's cool um, but yeah no it's always been um it's always been a like a big goal. Like I think when I when I first like I first saw the limits of how far you can push the body with um helmet strebel. Um, I'm not too sure if you know who that is. Um, but I would say he is the most shredded man I've ever seen in my entire life. And I was like, "Whoa, that guy is." Absolutely peeled and um, I think it was just his interview on Simply Shredded um, and obviously those things are never the best place to get your information from but I wasn't really looking at his workouts or nutrition I, I was already a little bit I was sort of savvy enough to know that if I did the same thing I wouldn't look like that but it was more his his philosophy around life and training and obviously this this was a guy who lived and breathed fitness and just seemed to love it you know what I mean like if you read his I think you can literally go into his description now on that I think they still had that interview up and the way he talks about like how his body is like a reflection of who he is and who he wants to be and who he wants like he wants to present this to the world as like a work of art and just the way he was wording I was like man that's i love that you know what i mean this is a guy who stays very close to stage condition as well all year round right um not not i don't think he does it for others i think he just does it for himself um and that the feeling that goes with it that that feeling of accomplishment you know what i mean because it is is—it is a hard thing for a lot of people to do and i'm sure we'll get into the ins and outs of you know what it feels like and um all that sort of stuff but um yeah it's it's always been like this intrinsic goal for whatever reason you know what i mean i do work in the fitness industry i do obviously want to be a decent role model um i know that most people who look at a person who is dick skin lean aren't really going to find that motivating or whatever it is but um um, again, I'm I'm a man of integri- integrity, and I do like to practice what I preach, if that makes sense. So yeah, I don't know. It's always been like a a really really big goal of mine, and I never ever really got to that stage until recently. So yeah,
0: yeah. But and, and even before that, I I remember that. Uh, I mean, you you sent me some pics uh, in 2000. 2000- like late 2016 early 2017 and even then you were down at like below six percent at one point right
1: um i was um so that was when i was working with Menno and i think yeah i did get down to uh eight eight and a half on dexa so like 8.8 on mm. dexa so so i was yeah i was i was lean, obviously lean um but um yeah nothing compared to what i am currently so um yeah but again like yeah at that point i was like wow i'm super shredded um but then your benchmark just changes um the leaner you get and i'm sure you've experienced that as well like i'm sure people listening to this have also experienced it like your yeah your point of reference or i guess your your benchmark just changes the leaner you get right um and then yeah anything anything above a certain point now feels fat you know so (laughs) it definitely comes with its uh negatives as well which i'm sure we'll touch on too but um yeah um, at that point, I was like, "Yeah, wow, I'm really, really lean." Um, but again, at that time, I was um, I was trying to do it by cool. I, w- I was training every day still around that time, right? So that was when we we're very into the high frequency stuff, and um, I can talk I can talk about that a little bit later on as well. But um, I was very reluctant to be like nut no cardio, just all strength training, calories super high all that sort of stuff trying to convince myself that I was a special snowflake and that I could achieve like real, real lean condition without doing any of that stuff because cardio is gonna dig into my muscle and I'm not a fucking cardio bunny. And it was more just stubbornness really at, at that point. So right. yeah.
0: Right, so um yeah, a lot, lot of cool stuff to talk about here, but first, so when you, when you started out on this uh, getting, like when you got to where you are now, how lean were you before just that? Like uh, how much fat did you have to lose?
1: Well, I think yeah, I think the guys mentioned on the podcast. Like when I sent my initial picks in, they were like, "Well, this guy's already in like you know decent nick." Like, um, but compared to where I wanted to go. Um, so when when I first um, when I first inquired, um, the company is called RNT. By the way, um, I highly recommend them to most people. Uh, I think they're they're just really really good at what they do, right? Um, and yeah so i was i was 85 kilos or i think 86 yeah 80 86 kilos um i think on the in body i was maybe closer to seven seven so maybe maybe i would it's uh, i would say 10 percent body fat looking at photos now um maybe even a little bit higher maybe 10 or 12 because i didn't just go, i did just come back from croatia around that time as well so i had a bit of a extra holiday fun on me but um Yeah, so I started off at 86 and then, yeah, when I first, when I was like, look, I want to get like comp lean shredded, Um, not not doing it for a competition. Um, I just want to put myself in that state and I just want to know what it feels like and I want to experience it. And, um, yeah, um, I want to, yeah, I think it was more of just a personal challenge for myself as well. So I, I needed something to really focus on. Um, and then from the get go, like the, the guy that I was consulting was like, yep, yeah, we're going to probably have to get you down to maybe 76, 77 to be like stage lean, right? And I was like, fuck, that's almost 10 kilos. You know, I, I was thinking, oh, if I get down to 80, 81, I'll be shredded to the bone, right? Um, but I think this is a very common thing. And they even spoke about this as well is that, um, um, people are a lot fatter than what they think they are. And they have to, they end up, they end up quite a bit lighter than what they expect, um, especially if you're a natural. Um, so, yeah, for for people who are chasing that really really lean dry sort of look, um, you're gonna you're gonna have to get comfortable seeing um, a pretty low weight on the scale. Sometimes lower than what you were
0: in high school. So, <laughs> it and that and that can be quite daunting for a lot of people, right? Yeah, but I, I would add though that I mean, in your case, you got I would say beyond stage lean. <laughs> I mean, people don't step on stage like you. Like uh, you, pro- you probably you probably could have stepped on stage at 80, 81 kilos. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I could probably have done like fitness or physique
1: or something. Um, but yeah, I I wanted that grainy, grainy, really like
0: John Meadows sort of lean. (laughs) Yeah. Right. So, okay. So let's, let's get into a little bit, uh, into what you were, what you did. So you mentioned that before that you were kind of the typical, what's trendy these days, which is strength training, no cardio, try to keep calories as high as possible. So, uh, that's what you were doing before. And, and, like it's, I guess it might be important to point out to people just before we get into this that your calories, like we talked earlier, uh, before you were getting um, really lean, even before that, your calories relative to your body size were always pretty freaking high. Like you're not a small guy by any means, but still, like you're eating eating calories that are bulking calories for people similar similar to you in size. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I, am definitely, I
1: think I'm genetically quite lucky on, on that front for sure. I'm just making that as a bit of a disclaimer as well. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think I started, I finished my, my calories at my leanest, at my most driest, um, was like 22, 2300, which again, for someone who got, I got down to 76 kilos and to, you know, keep consuming 2300, that was that was reasonable, right? And yeah, as you said, I know some people that have to bulk on that um, which is um, which is pretty nuts. So yeah I'm, I'm definitely lucky on that front but in saying that my expenditure was through the roof. Um, I, I like being active. I hate sitting around all the time. so I'm more than happy to um, you know increase activity to offset or to be able to eat more food. I'm way more happy to do that. I know other people will be like, you know what? I can't be fucked. I'd rather sit all day, just slash my calories. (laughs) Um, And and that's all well and good. And I I think for people who um, are more invested in say, I think another good point I maybe have to clarify, Abel, is that I don't do traditional barbell training anymore right like i don't i don't um do much bodybuilding work at all really um my my training is very gymnastics based now i'm very skill based um obviously there are still a lot of strength components that i still utilize like um most of my sessions would always incorporate some sort of skill work but then you know it will still finish off with um i still include my rep sets um at the end of like a session just for like um but it's more for yeah it's more or carry over two skills you know so you still want to have some muscle bulk on you to help with gymnastic skills like iron cross um which is just ridiculously um crazy you know what i mean so um so there is still muscle that you need to have on you that's just going to help you perform um but in my world being obviously having a really really good power to weight ratio is um is just going to help out immensely right so that's probably nothing i need to clarify as well like um when I, I i was training just obviously to keep whatever muscle i did have but my training was still very very skill and gymnastics based orientated as well so Um, yeah. So in saying that, like me doing like a shit ton of cardio, um, the only thing that really suffered were my legs, you know what I mean? And I've always had relatively larger legs, even growing up, you know what I mean? I was a soccer player as well. Like my leg, I could literally look, look at a squat rack and my legs would grow. Right. So I always knew my legs would respond to strength training really, really easily. And I was more than happy to shrink them down a little bit. Um, and we'll probably touch on this a little bit later, but, um, yeah, my my legs never never looked better with um with quite a bit of cardio and a lot of cycling. Um, I actually took up cycling within the the whole prep sort of thing. Um, I've literally got addicted because that was that was my cardio modality. You know, it started off with a couple times a week, and then by the by the end of the the entire sort of prep, so to speak, my I was pretty much doing cardio every day um my that's not what my coach instructed he was like look let's just do six days a week but i said to him look man I'm, I'm just i just really enjoy it and it actually became part of my daily routine um i'm a man of when something is in my routine i just find it a lot easier just to stick to that right um and yeah it, literally since since my prep until like and i ended my uh, my cut in i think it was november 23rd um and i've still kept up my daily cycling every single day um, simply because I just I just really really love it, and I love the the mental aspect I get from it, and all the other benefits that come come with it. So it's literally an hour of cycling pretty much every day, and um, every day I'll include some sort of sprints right um, on the on that bike. So that was literally my only leg training for the entire time, which sort of um. It it worked really well because I could still get a nice um, I could still get some metabolic stress and like we do know that you know metabolic stress to to an extent can still um, elicit some sort of hypertrophy response right um, so that was actually keeping my leg muscle around pretty easily so I was pretty lucky on that front as well like um, I was keeping my quads um, I was obviously expending a lot of energy you know cycling um, it's very, very taxing. You burn through so much glycogen. You burn through so much energy cycling. I don't think people realize that, um, especially compared to strength training. Like in, with, uh, with barbell training, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure you would know this as well. Abel, like in Menno's course, I think he, um, he showed the graphs of the expenditure rates of strength training compared to say yeah. like a like a cyclist right like it was it was cr- something crazy I think um what was it I think he compared like a full leg workout to 2 30 second all-out sprints on an airdyne bike and I think the airdyne bike depleted glycogen by like 40 to 45 percent in the quads and a full leg yeah. day
0: maybe depleted 30 35 is is that right yeah yeah it's yeah something ridiculous but I, I think that's a, like a full body session is like 30-40%
1: no I think it was yeah. it was literally just legs though um, I think it was just the leg day okay. they they looked at so um, which which I found fucking crazy but then I started actually incorporating a lot more sprints and I was like okay now I know why right so um, so yeah that was just that just became part of my routine and I really really enjoyed it um, yes my legs did shrink down a, a little bit um, but I dropped a shit ton of fat from from them as well and that was the area that I used to hold a lot of body fat and um, now that, that area is just as lean as everything else now. I'm not saying that's because of cycling. I know we can't spot reduce or whatever it is. Um, It was obviously the combination of me being in a deficit um, uh, alongside a lot of cycling. Um, But the the point I'm trying to make is that that was literally my only leg training. Um, So having, having smaller legs in what I do, um, is actually an advantage. So my legs in, in like the gymnastic stuff, they don't need to be big. Um, but they do need to still be strong and explosive. So, um, it's sort of worked out really, really well in my scenario. So yeah, sorry, it's a bit of a long winded answer, but i just wanted to give as much context as I can.
0: Right. Um, just before, like, I have obviously a bunch of questions about your fat loss, um, process, but just before that, um, when you switched over to this gymnastics type training wasn't there like a bit of um not sound cost fallacy but but it, like wasn't it hard to let the strength training stuff go because i mean it took some time for you to build up the physique that you had i mean it, it's uh and, and you built a really respectable physique uh with strength training so like how was it letting that whole thing go yeah it was um yeah it was it was tough man like
1: experiment i love I love experimentation as well um so again when i was when I was doing the high frequency stuff, you know, I think I was, I think you and I were having a discussion. I think I went like over five hundred days straight of strength training, right? And this was like not not like bitchy sessions. This was, you know, trying to PB almost every session, right? Um, which was looking back now, that was absolutely crazy. Um, but in saying that, it it built so much character. It built so much resilience. Um, and at the end of that, I think the the reason it was very easy to let go was because. It it got to a point, man, where I was RDLing, you know, two hundred kilos for ten reps. I was Bulgarian split squatting, you know, forty eight kilos in each arm for you know eight to ten reps. Having to like ramp myself up for every single set, it was it got numbing, man. Like it got so difficult, right? And um, I think I mentioned it to you the other day. <laughs> yeah, I could I could lift all these impressive weights in the gym, right? But then I couldn't run across the road because my knees would hurt. <laughs> You know, so I was um I was starting to accumulate quite a bit of um quite a bit of injuries as well, and just my shoulders, you know, that was starting to really cook up as well, and um yeah, it was just I just went overboard with it, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, as you know, I'm probably sure a lot of people listening to this also have similar mentalities as well, you know, but um yeah, it what it was hard to let go, but then lo- looking back now, um in in hindsight, it's obviously a beautiful thing, like what my body can do now in regards to like mobility in regards to strength is well. like, it's a different strength, you know, like I, I'm still very strength and performance focused. It's just in a different avenue. So, I think that was the key for me was find something that I'm, that's still going to engage me, that's still going to make me feel strong. Um, and yeah, that's when I sort of moved into the, to the calisthenics, um, gymnastics-based world because again, I was a beginner. I had to start from the bottom. And um, funnily enough, I actually like being shit at something initially and then getting really, really good at it. So, um, that was the allure. Um, but yeah, it was just, I needed, I still needed to train because I just love being active. Right. But I knew, I think maybe part of me knew that, look, at the end of the day, man, you're just crunching more and more numbers. Like, are you really getting any bigger? I really wasn't. I was just literally just training because I wanted to keep my run going, which is a fucking stupid way to approach training. Right. Um, and and yeah, I was just getting beat up. Um, I wasn't really getting any bigger, uh, but then again, I never really pushed calories high enough to get bigger, right? So, I was in this limbo of, yeah, you're strong, you're staying relatively lean, but you're not really getting anywhere anymore as well. So, yeah, like it, it was great. It was, as I said earlier, it was very character building. And to be fair, I think I learned that year and a half to two years, I just learnt so much um, just being in the trenches. Um, I know I sound real broy saying that, but... A lot of the stuff I've learned personally and that, that I use with clients is is stuff that I've put myself through as well. So, I think that's a huge thing. But yeah, that's yeah, it, it was hard to let go of. Um, and you know, obviously, on in that initial transition period, I was still like, oh, and I'm still going to keep training legs. And I don't want to be one of those guys
0: who has little legs while doing Cali. And look at me now. <laughs> All right. <laughs> right so um okay cool so so you started out on this prep down to uh shredded land so what was your kind of base protocol like uh what rate of fat loss were you targeting from the get-go uh, like how many like was it daily cardio from the get-go and like initially initially what were your calories initially and where did you have to drop them at first
1: yeah no no worries um so so when I initially came in, I was I was maybe eating twenty eight hundred to three thousand cows um, and I was sort of maintaining that at eighty five, eighty six. Um, I wasn't very I wasn't very active though. Again, like as I said earlier, I was still very stern of nut, no cardio, nothing, just strength training. That's it. That's all I do, um, or whatever it was. Only only strength based work because I don't I don't want to induce the interference effect, <laughs> as they say. So um so yeah, I was my food was like twenty eight. 2,800, 3,000, and I was sort of maintaining 86. Um, so, when I when I first went in, uh, my coach was like, yep, we're going to slash cows down to pretty much 2,400. And my calories have never, ever been that low. I think that was another mental thing as well. Like, for some reason, I, I just had to have my calories higher than 3,000. <laughs> I could never dip below 3,000. Other, otherwise, nah, you're, you're going to lose muscle, right? So... <laughs> As, as stupid as that sounds, right, and, you know, I'm, I am I consider myself a, a very rational person, but I think even rational people are sort of prone to stupid things like that as well. I'm sure everyone listening to this can relate to something. Um, so, anyway, yeah, my, my coach, he, um, he slashed cows down to 2,400. I was like, okay, cool. Um, a very, very um, – was pretty much high-carb, low-fat from the get-go, um, and I was always a man of um, – I preferred like the more moderate fat approach, moderate carb and moderate protein. You know what I mean? I like that sort of balanced macro split, um, especially after all the information that we learned. That seemed to make the most sense to me and hormone health and all that. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to listen to what my coach is saying. Um, this is what I paid for. I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to do everything that is asked. You know, I think a lot of validity can be held in that. Is just not blindly following, but maybe you know, stepping out of your comfort zone to go somewhere you've never been, right? So um, I was like, okay, yep, cool. So calories went to 2,400. Um, and then that's the first time I actually started using like a step count. Um, I never really used the step count as a tool to track my NEAT. But to be fair, that, that has been one of the greatest um, inclusions of not only my sort of daily routine, but a lot of my clients now incorporate a, a step count in, uh, in, a, in a really productive way, not in the neurotic way. So, we can touch on that a little bit later too. So, um yeah, my step count was, okay, we're going um, 10,000 steps a day from memory. You know what I mean? I think a lot of coaches now start having incorporated um, a step counter just to, you know, obviously keep track of neat because we know that as you diet down, things that obviously things slow down such as your, yeah, your neat levels. Um, so, the best way that they've sort of shown to keep that as you know, similar as possible is with a step count. And yes, I know other things do start to come down as well. But at this point um, in the in our little fitness world, I think tracking your steps is probably the best way to. Um, to maybe keep your knee as close to baseline or what it was initially at first, right? Um, because that is the thing that's gonna slow down the most. So yeah, a step StepCan has been a game changer, um, not only for the, ex- uh, it doesn't really expend much energy anyway, but I think um, all the other benefits that come with just walking in general, um, getting sunlight, um, digestion, listen- listening to, giving you a chance to listen to podcasts and-, and learn some things every time you go out for a walk, right? So. That is the way I started looking at um, getting my steps up. It wasn't like a chore. I actually really enjoyed it. It was a really, really good time for me just to, yeah, disconnect from the world, learn some cool stuff, listen to awesome podcasts like the SSD podcast. Oh. Um, I don't know, a bit of a name drop there. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, it was um, – I, I never found it a chore. And as I mentioned earlier, I'm was a very, i a very active person anyway. I really like to be active. Um, so, I found that was – yeah, that was just a good, um, good little th- – good little tool and I've actually started using that with a lot of my clients and they they love it as well. So, um, so yeah, it was 10,000 steps initially, um, two cardio sessions and I'll, I'll just do my gymnastics training pretty much daily. Um, I'll, I'll keep in contact with my coach almost daily as well. They they were really good like that. Um, that, that weekly daily accountability was really cool. Um, and yeah, I think every coach needs a coach. Um, I think that that can't be overstated as well. Um, so yeah. And then, um, yeah, the the progress was just really really fast to be fair um, in 12 weeks i i went from yeah 86 um, i think my lowest weight was 75.9 and that was a very 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 depleted man you know what i mean um, and to to be fair like um my coach was was firm he was like um pretty it was pretty much no refeeds all the way through um no cheat meals no no diet breaks <laughs> it was just and and yeah, it was, it was just it was just straight through. He was like, look. Um, and there, there were points where I was like, man, I'm dropping like a kilo a week. He was like, that's fine. We're going to keep pushing it. You know what I mean? Um, we literally did one calorie drop the whole time. So, I initially started at 2,400. And then I think maybe by week five or week six, we went down to 2,223. And we literally just held calories there. And we just toggled up the expenditure, right? So, um, my cardio sessions went from... Yeah, so they went from like, you know, two sessions a week to three sessions a week at 30 minutes and then um, f- four sessions a week at 40 minutes or whatever it was. It w- there was always some sort of modification in regards to time and um, sort of frequency. Um, and yeah, step count just gradually went up, went up and up and up and up. So I think maybe every couple of weeks, it went up a couple thousand. Um, so by the end of, end of my prep, I was doing 20,000 steps a day. Um, I was doing an hour of cardio a day. And I was doing my gymnastics-based strength training for an hour and hour and a half. Um, so yeah, it was um yeah it, it was it, it, to be fair, like I I enjoyed all of that. Like it wasn't it wasn't a burden for me, right? Um, and yeah, the calories were quite low compared to how much energy I was expending, and obviously I was dropping weight pretty fast. Um, but yeah, to to be fair, like I never really felt the harsh ramifications of of getting really, really lean, you know what I mean? I'm Again, maybe I'm just a little bit more resilient than maybe I give myself credit for or maybe I just have that mental fortitude just to be like, just fucking, just just go. This is what you wanted to do. You chose this, just, you know. But I don't know, like for some of the horror stories I've heard, you know what I mean? Like I've heard of people getting really, like getting to the point of contest lean that they would, um, you know, wake up in the middle of the night to and just, they'll be eating. They'll literally wake up at like 3, 4 a.m., they didn't even know they were like sleep eating and <laughs> i'm like that is that is crazy you know what i mean and i think you mentioned it as well abel that like you just have like the most ravenous appetite past a certain point as well you know like yeah. i i never really uh, t- towards the end like i must admit like when i did actually start like refeeding um it was it was like a it was like a heavenly experience to be to be fair um but and we'll, I'll get to that a little bit later on as well. But yeah, so at the end of the 12 weeks, um, yeah, I think I have, I may have, I think I maybe got one refeed when I got down to like maybe 78, 79. It was just like a cool, have a cheat meal here, um, and then just get back on the diet. Um, but yeah, I found that just doing that approach, you know, I think, do you know what the best analogy is for the whole cheat meals, Abel? I think Mike said it on your podcast a while back. It was, you know when you're, when Pete like, <laughs> he's always had the best analogies. Um, when you're when you're being tortured, right? Um, what some people do, they'll give you like a glimmer of hope, like they'll be torturing you, they'll be beating you, they'll be, you know, making you feel like the biggest piece of shit, and then they'll come in and be like, hey mate, here, have a cigarette, or just relax for a little bit, you know, and they'll show you like a glimmer of hope, a glimmer of light. And then they remove that cigarette and they start beating you up again to resensitize you to that shitty, shitty torture, right? So, I think that was the greatest analogy when it came to like cheat meals and dieting because that's exactly what it was. Um, and that's what I found. I found that when I was just dieting, dieting and dieting um, and not having to be like, oh, got a cheat meal coming up. Um, I found that that approach just worked really, really well for me. Um, and yeah, up until that point, it was all smooth sailing. Um, i you know, I was like, cool. My coach is like, we don't want any refeeds. We're just going to go for it. Um, and yeah, I was, you know, dropping half a kilo to a kilo a week, pretty, pretty quickly. Um, and I was like, mate, aren't, aren't aren't I going to be losing muscle mass and all that sort of stuff. And I think all that, I think even the muscle mass stuff can be relatively overblown. Um, I feel that if your protein is high enough, um, and if you are doing some sort of resistance training to keep your muscle around, um, I think actual muscle loss um, is definitely overstated or overfeared by a lot of people. Um, and yeah, you, you're going to lose a little bit of lean mass, but I think that lean mass is going to be more glycogen, it's going to be more water, um, because um, as was evidenced by when I did actually start refeeding and you know got my weight back up a couple kilos, I actually looked so much better than, than I did when I was really, really dry and really, really skinny. Um, which just shows, you know, it was, um, a lot of that, a lot of that lean tissue that I lost was just a lot of glycogen and a lot of fluid. Um, so, and I think, um, I think I heard Eric Trexler mention it in, um, I think it was either Jeff Nippard's podcast or on Jeff Nippard's podcast that, um, even the strength losses that you, um, that you occur or that, that come about during a cut, um, are not, primarily due to a loss of muscle mass so to speak but it's more of the the neural input to that muscle that seems to be a little bit um not as strong right so it's more of the the neural um adaptations that you may potentially lose or the the signal just becomes weaker it's not that your actual tissue shrinks which i found really interesting i thought that was really cool um so yeah, that, that was a f- another fear that I had that I was dropping weight really quickly and that I was going to lose all my muscle mass and yeah. And to be fair, it never happened, but, um, having, having a coach to sort of keep me accountable and be like, look, you're fine. Don't worry about it. You, it's, it's all in your mind. Just stick with the process. Um, and yeah, it, it worked really, really well. So yeah, we just, it was literally 12, right. yeah, literally um,
0: 12 weeks. Yeah. it's, it's crazy that, um, I remember how much you were weighing uh, or I don't remember the specific numbers, but I just remember that when you showed me your pictures of your shredded condition and you told me your weight, like there was a really big discrepancy between what you actually weighed and what someone would have predicted based on how heavy you were before at still pretty lean. and Because I, I guess at some point your body just starts wasting its mass like at an exponential rate at beyond a certain point. Yeah, yeah
1: for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I think, yeah, a lot of people still – I think guys especially um, I don't know they have this connection to this number or they think they're gonna be a lot heavier than what they are like um, for someone at my height 80 kilos shredded natural that is f- very impressive if you saw that like in person you'd be like wow, that guy is a freak um, so I think yeah a lot a lot of guys think that yeah if I got down to 80 kilos I'm six foot one yeah if I got down to 80 kilos I'll be shredded to the bone or I'll, you know, it's like, no, no, no. You, if you want to be, uh, again, I thought I got more muscle mass than, than average, not that obviously not a genetic freak when it comes to muscle mass, but yeah, for, for me to get shredded, like proper shredded, I had to drop down, you know, under 76 kilos. Um, which again was like, what the fuck? i I don't remember the last time I was this light, you know, I finished, I was, I left high school at 82. <laughs> so <laughs> it was um yeah it was crazy but um yeah for especially for anyone that does want to sort of get into that condition you just have to sort of let go of what that scale says um and just focus on what you look like because at the end of the day I, I was razor sharp and I I loved it to be to be fair <laughs> so and still do just to just to clarify but um yeah that was that was definitely but it, again it was just it was a big mental shift right it was a big um, mental hurdle that you had to sort of overcome. But it was um putting full trust into my coach and putting full trust into the method and um the more I got to know him the more I got to trust him and he's he's actually a really intelligent dude as well um he's done it he's done this himself he's done this with other people um I don't I don't think he's taken anyone else to the condition that I got in um but yeah it was um it was just it was a great experience and I I I'd recommend anyone that does want to get to that sort of level don't do it on your own because um you'll just bullshit yourself and you'll chicken out when you have to actually keep pushing. Um, Because yeah, if left to my own devices, I'd be like, Oh, dropping too fast. Let's bring calories back up or diet break. No, no, no. Just dig, just go. You know what I mean? Keep the stimulus there. Try to, try to maximize everything else around your lifestyle to um, maximize recovery and whatnot. And, and you'll be sweet. But um, yeah, I can't overstate the value of having someone there to help you out on a, on a process like that. So yeah, and but yeah, the numbers will shock a lot of people. Like how lean or how much weight they have to
0: lose to get that look, is um yeah you don't you just don't know it until you do it. Right. Yeah. And, and again, just just for people for context again. I mean your condition. I mean the stuff that we normally see on Instagram, like yeah, natural bodybuilder got into contest shape. Like you make a lot of those guys look unconditioned, and. And, and and some of the people that are actually unconditioned for the stage but step on the stage anyway, you make them look obese. So <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh well, look, you're more than welcome to put up those
1: those pictures on um on YouTube if you want. You can use oh, awesome, it. So man. people can oh, awesome, get a bit man. of a bit of an image. So but um yeah. And, and again, those photos were taken like yeah, they were like more more candid, raw photos, which I much prefer than the very um sort of
0: overfiltered Instagram pretty photos, you know. So so I guess the, the biggest thing why we are here actually is because unlike most people who get down there and then whatever, they quickly get back to their off-season levels of uh, body fat, you actually, first of all, you actually didn't step on any kind of bodybuilding stage, right? You just did it for, for fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: I just, I just did it as, as I mentioned earlier. I just wanted to know what it felt like, to be honest. Um, I wanted to experiment it. I wanted it to be like, okay, what is this condition that everyone speaks about? um and just yeah it's really it's i think it's interesting to see what your body can look like um it's yeah it's 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 crazy um and and yeah i've always just wanted to do it but yeah no
0: i didn't i didn't step on any stage you know no stage of life (laughs) right um so so how is it like holding on to this so what did you do once your whole fat loss thing was over and then we will get into some more specifics like how your days look like and stuff but first just like um how, how how does it feel holding on to this to, to be
1: fair, um, so I I literally did not feel th- like I didn't feel the negative effects that most people do feel, um, just based on what everyone has anecdotally mentioned and what they've said and all that stuff. But I think a key point of what you just mentioned was um, the the word off season. Um, as but as I mentioned earlier, like I'm I'm not a bodybuilder. I don't my I, and again I'm, I'm comfortable with the amount of muscle mass I do have now. Um, me staying in this condition is I a hundred percent know that I'm not going to be putting on any more muscle. I know that I I'm happy with that. I, ex- I accept that. Um, because obviously for what my current training goals are, um, I don't need to be super muscular. I don't need to be super massive. Um, and to, and to be fair, like, um, that, that look just doesn't appeal to me anymore. Um, I'd rather be the guy who looks tiny in clothes. And then when the clothes come off, it's like, whoa, what the fuck is that? <laughs> so i i i much prefer to be to be that guy um despite what a lot of other people say and and again like a lot of a lot of guys still want to be packing on muscle um so yeah i i don't recommend staying in the condition that i am if your goal if your goals are to put on more muscle because um yeah you need to be in a surplus you need to give your body a strong signal to keep growing right um but to to be to be honest um i think another another caveat as well is um Because a lot of the training I do isn't very barbell orientated. Like I don't get that same systemic neural fatigue that like heavy squats would give you or heavy deadlifts would give you. Right. Um, obviously the training I'm doing now is like, I still, I still get like, I still get systemic fatigue. Don't get me wrong, but it's nothing like the fatigue of a barbell crushing you. Um, you know what I mean like the recovery aspect of that and um, you know if so if I was to combine heavy barbell work with the dieting with the cardio with the steps I, I think I would have definitely felt a lot worse um, to, to say the least um, but yeah due to the nature of my training like I never I, I could pretty much train daily um, I could go in I could always work on something Um mm-hmm and i could i could recover pretty nicely from it as well and i'm um, considering how yeah considering how much activity i was doing um and i must admit towards the end like my sleep started to go to shit if there was one thing that was bad it was definitely sleep i was not sleeping like a little baby i was um, yeah i was getting up at crazy hours um if you listen to the other podcasts i did like at one yeah my routine pretty much my routine was literally me waking up twelve thirty AM, one AM to, to to get my cardio, to get some steps in and to do my to do my gymnastics-based session before I had clients at six A.m. So that was that was hectic, you know. Um, looking back now it's amazing that I survived that. <laughs> but it, again, at the time, I was like, no, I feel fine, I feel good, you know. Um, again, I was going to bed real early. I was going to bed maybe, you know, six thirty, seven at night, um, which obviously meant very little social life, um, which which I was okay with at the time. You know what I mean? I was like, you know what, I have this goal that I want to hit. This is what I want to be doing. I was very laser focused. Um, I have a bit more clarity now. Um, we can get to that later on as well. But um, yeah, at, at, the, at the time I was literally, um, I was trying to get all my training and all my cardio in before, yeah, before I even started with work, right? So yeah, and those people that harp on about the 5am club, try being the 1am club. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was a very, that was a very interesting point of the prep, but um, yeah, when you, I guess when you get to that point, right? Um, yeah, like the body doesn't really want to sleep. That was probably the biggest thing that I felt. Um, but in saying that, I would then catch up later on throughout the day with a couple of naps here and there, and. You know, am um, it definitely wasn't healthy long term in in that regard. So I have definitely modified that these days, which which is a which is a much better approach. Um, but yeah, at that point, that was looking back, that was definitely the 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 worst aspect of it was just that sleep and you know, obviously the constant awakenings and being like, is it time to get up yet, it's time to get up yet. <laughs> um, yeah, that was that was probably the worst. And obviously, yeah, and the thing is. <laughs> I think because I knew on a theoretical level that um, obviously when you're not getting enough sleep, recovery is going to be uh, recovery is going to be hindered and like all that stuff, you know, I knew that from a theoretical point, standpoint. And you know, we we're all told that we need eight hours of sleep and this and that. But in saying that. I was still I still got in the condition of my life I was still my my cortisol wasn't making me hold any water or anything like that like I was dry as a bone as you saw in those photos so um again I think the the, I think the biggest effect that sleep would have is maybe influencing your appetite and you know making it making making you much more prone to overeating and doing stupid things right um so I'm not I'm not saying that you should all live on four or five hours of sleep no way but I'm saying I was, I was living on that amount of sleep. Um, and it wasn't hindering my fat loss. Like fat loss was still occurring. Um, I think, I think Martin McDonald was talking about this a while back as well. It's like a deficit is a deficit. Um, now you could make the argument, well, you probably will lose how much lean mass. Were you losing this and that? And yeah, we can go down the theoretical wormhole, or whatever. But at the end of the day, my results speak for themselves, and I was very happy with what I what I achieved. Um, but yeah, at the at looking back, the the sleep portion was definitely not optimal. Um, it's it's a lot better now, but um, yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, but yeah, I never got the, the real, I never got the crazy hunger pangs or I was never like, I was towards the end, I was pretty food focused. Like I could not wait to have like a humongous refeed and whatnot. But up until that point, like I was pretty good. Like I, I didn't feel the need to binge or I didn't feel the need to be a psycho with food. um, yeah, I just I just didn't seem to get the same ramifications that most people got when they when they got that lane. So, yeah, I don't I don't know if I was just lucky on that front or the way
0: I structured my day, you know. So, but yeah. So, how does a day of yours look like now? Cuz cuz like you mentioned in that podcast, um it was pretty pretty insane. So, is it any different now? Um it actually, I've actually kept up the
1: same activity levels since since finishing up the prep. Um, because as I mentioned to the guys, I was like, "Look, I don't want to just get there and just lose it, right? Um, I I, I want to get there. I just want to. And again, I want to, I want to maintain it. I, I want to see how it feels. I want to experiment with it. I want to, you know, I, I like experimentation. You know, I'm not seeing many people. Um, sort of get down to that condition and then stay there. Um, But when you look at all the stories about why they don't stay there, um, they talk about health ramifications, but the biggest thing they talk about is it doesn't make for a productive off-season. You know what I mean? So, a lot of people that get that lean are bodybuilders who they want to obviously pack on more muscle. So, that is I think the biggest argument from staying that lean comes from that angle, right? It's like, well, you can't put on muscle and stay that lean. Okay, what if I don't want to put on any more muscle? And I still haven't heard many, I've still haven't really heard anyone answer that question, so to speak. Um, because all my biomarkers were still like pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, um, I never got ill. I never got sick. I still haven't been sick since, um, since being this lean. Um, my immune system seems really good. My performance in the gym is like still really, really good, even to this day as well. Like, um, so yeah, I'm still doing my 20,000 steps a day. I'm still doing my daily cardio. I literally have a spin bike in my apartment complex now, um, just because I love it. (laughs) Um, so yeah, yeah, I I know. Um, and even as, as I'm doing that, um, I'll always have like some, have you heard of the great courses plus by the way? Anyway, it's it's like this it's like this website. Um, I think it's maybe twenty dollars a month, um, and you get access to like university um uni- university level sort of lectures on certain topics, right? So um I'll i literally um find a topic that I enjoy. Like I really enjoy psychology. Um so you know I had twenty four lectures of. You know why people do the things they do, and I'll literally just put that on while I'm cycling, right? And um, obviously, I, the guy is lecturing to me, and I'm just hearing all these tidbits of information. And um, I don't know if if you know this as well, but like there is something that happens neurologically when you're when you're doing a, when you're doing quite a bit of cardio, or you get that run as high as I speak, where everything is just firing really, really quickly. Um, your your learning rates seem to improve quite a bit, as well. Like cogn- cognitive abilities seem to just skyrocket um especially if you incorporate like a little bit of sprinting in there as well um and i find that that at that part of my day i feel my brain is just super on and very very it's like a sponge when it comes to information right so um i I sort of use i use my cardio sessions now again to um to put on a really good podcast or put on like a really good lecture and just um learn some cool shit which is um I guess it makes the cardio a lot more bearable and a lot. I don't. I don't dread it. I, I find it really enjoyable. Um. And and yeah. Like I've, I've I've noticed that adding that to my life has just improved my energy levels and my health immensely. Just in the, just in like a general sense, right? Like, um, I feel so much better throughout my day. I feel so much lighter on my feet. Maybe because I am quite light now. Um, but, but yeah, it, it, it has literally become like a staple in my day. You know what I mean? Um, it's, and I find it really, really enjoyable. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll usually wake up now. I'll wake up now maybe close to 3 a.m., which is late for me now. Um, and yeah, the first thing I'll do, I'll usually have a nice strong cup of coffee. Um, I'll have, I'll go for like a little mini walk down because my apartment complex has like a little mini gym. So, I'll just go there. It's literally a habit now. I'll have my coffee, go for like a quick 20, 20 30 minute walk. Um, I find that really helps with digestion. I really find that helps me, you know, get me up up and going. Um, yeah, I'll do what we do in the morning. Um, probably don't have to talk about that anymore. And as soon as that's done, I'll, I'll hop on my bike um, for, for an hour. And throughout that hour, I'll, you know, incorporate one minute sprints here and there. Um, and yeah, just put on an awesome lecture or listen to some awesome music. And, um, that's pretty much how I start my day. Right. And then, and then from there I'll have a nice, I'll have a huge breakfast now. Um, and then I'll go train clients for the, for the first half of my day. So I only work, I only work hands on with people in the mornings, in the AM. Which is um which is really, really cool. Um and most of my like admin and programming stuff I'll do in the afternoon. So it works it works really well for my schedule. So I'll um I'll train a few clients in the morning and then from there I'll go and do my gymnastics-based training as well. Um and obviously I have a lot more time now because I'm not trying to cram it all in before before work. Um, and I can actually spend a lot more time working on the skills that I want to get really, really good at as well. So, um, I'll do that. I'll come home. I'll have another massive lunch as well. Um, and then I will either have a nap and then go for, and then just get the remainder of my steps in. So, um, I'll still hit 20,000 steps a day. Um, which is, which is, you know, for some people that does sound quite, that does sound like a lot, but it's just, it's just pretty much my norm these days, you know what I mean? So, I'll go for a nice huge walk. Um, again, listen to podcasts, learn some cool shit. Come home, um, have a pretty early dinner. Like, I keep my eating window at around 12 hours. Um, or even less. So, my first meal as, is maybe 5 a.m. And then my last meal of the day is, say, 3 p.m., 3 or 4 p.m. So, I like to keep it relatively early. And I think that sort of lines up with a lot of recent circadian rhythm research that's coming out. So, um, yeah, it just seems to work quite well. You know, obviously, from a social aspect, it doesn't really work that well. But I've um, managed to. Catch up with the people that I want to catch up or catch up with during the times that I want to catch up with them, which has worked really well. Which which for me is like um, you know lunch times or you know mid mornings and all that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's usually um that's sort of my day to day. Um and yeah, I don't I don't like to I used to love to party quite a bit. Um I really don't anymore. Like I get a lot more satisfaction now of having a nice early. Early um early bedtime and um waking up and doing what I do every day. You know, I, I get a lot of um intrinsic satisfaction out of that. And um and yeah, that's again my my lifestyle really does permit permit me to be able to maintain a condition like that and um and yeah, it just it just seems to have blended into my lifestyle quite easily, you know. So um my, my cut ended November fifteenth, um, twenty eighteen. Um, as we're recording this, this is the 8th of March and, um, my body weight is still around 77, 77 and a half. So, um, which is what a kilo and a half up from my like driest condition. So I'm just walking around a bit more glycogen filled. Um, I'm not really walking around with any more body fat. Um, there was a, me, uh, my coach and I, we did experiment with how high we could push calories after the, um after the diet. Right. So I kept my expenditure the same and we slowly increased calories. Um, and I, I was still maintaining 3% on the in body. Um, when and my calories got up to four and a half, four thousand 4,000 cows. Um, and then we were just like, you know what, let's, let's just really push the envelope and let's get, you know, we went up to 5,000 calories for about a couple of weeks. And that's when I'd really noticed the weight started to creep up. So, Even with all my expenditure, even with how much activity I was doing, 5,000 cows was still too much for me. You know what I mean? And then I really started to notice like a lot of water weight coming up and that this and that. And I was like, you know what? Nah, I I fucking hate this feeling. I want to get back down to 77. And within two, three weeks, I was back down to 77 from 81. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it was... um, my body's very, very responsive, which we, <laughs> which is um which is pretty cool. So um yeah, so yeah, we try to push food up, and even even then, like I was I was eating five thousand calories, and I got up to eighty one kilos, and I just felt like sluggish. I felt horrible. Uh, eating for me, eating that much food for me was a chore. Like I j- I just can't do that. Like um I know you're pushing food quite high able now because you're you're obviously bulking. Um and for me personally, that would be a lot harder for me mentally. Would be just to eat so much food from, you know, day to day. I found it disgusting. I found it horrible. I, I hated feeling like that. Um, and I could I could see my conditions like disappearing slightly. And again, that really aggravated me. And I was like, you know what? I feel I feel and I look better at that sort of 77, 78 range. Um, it's a good combination of, you know, leanness and fullness and performance. Um, and that's where I wanted to get down to. And yeah, so I think, um, yeah, I went from, 81, 81 was my heaviest, and I got back down to 77 in maybe three weeks. <laughs> um, but only because the, the only toggle I play with now is is my calories, because my activity is pretty much constant every day, right? So it just it just makes it a lot easier to um to um yeah, just to get to where I want to be very very fast, because I've got all those habits ingrained right. now. You know, like I've got. My cardio is already there. My steps are already there. My training's already there, and I know people are going to yeah. be like, "Well, doesn't your body just get used to it and you end up just burning less calories for the cardio you do?" I'm like, funnily enough, um, not really, because um, what I have found personally with my with my cycling, the better I got at cycling, the the more expenditure, uh, the the higher the expenditure on my actual thing, right? So. My, my little again. I know they're not 100 percent accurate, but um, it does have some sort of calorie expenditure reading on it. Um, and I know when I initially got it, I was burning you know close to maybe 450 for the hour, which I think is pretty reasonable. Uh, I think it's pretty accurate. And then um, you know recently, my every time I cycle now, it's close to 550, 560 calories. You know, and it doesn't feel nowhere near as hard but my expenditure is still quite high, right? So, yeah, um, I don't know. At the end of the day, like, there are so many things that go into it. Um, but all I know is that my activity level stays pretty constant and I can literally – I can regulate my body weight really, really easily just based on calories now. So, that's the only tool I have to play with because everything else is pretty much where
0: it needs to be for what I want to do anyway. So, so what I wanted to ask you is um, – when I, I heard the first interview with you, which you did with your coaches, um, like one, one kind of thought that I had is that it's like, yeah, kind of it all makes sense. Like you can get to contest lean or even beyond that and you can maintain that. But it, it kind of sounded like it kind of has to become your life in a way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like like do you want to do you wanna touch on this a little bit because um, like you were – the way you're able to structure your life and the way you're willing to structure your life is, is um, I guess, not typical for for most people. And you mentioned in the beginning that most people who say that it's not practical to hold on to this conditioning, they they mention the unproductivity of for it to the off season, but also like the way most people live their lives. Like obviously, if you want to go out late at night to have some drinks with your friends or whatever, for that it's obviously not practical to do this. So. Um, that that and that is correct. Yeah, and um, I I
1: completely get that, and uh, a lot of people have sort of um, the thing is in those scenarios, um, the the people who are your true friends will still make time to sort of see you as well. Um, so um, my my close little circle of friends, like they know that I'm not going to go out and and get drunk or because you know I I don't drink. I haven't I haven't touched alcohol in a long time. I think I touched, I think I drank once in the last um three four years, and that was at my, one of my best friends um it was his wedding and i was the best man and i had to get a little bit pissy to say my speech and that was the only time i really drank so um yeah alcohol has never really been a big part of my life as well like even in my um even in my party days, I wouldn't drink too much. I, I would do other things, um, which I also don't do anymore. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, um, yeah, that, that part of my life, I, I had to sort of um, sacrifice, but I, I was happy to sacrifice it. Like I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything, right? Um, and I think even within that cut, I think I maybe mentioned it in that interview, like um, I actually went on like a boat party, um, which was like a day party. And I used to love those things quite a bit, right? And um, I was there and I just... Um, at one point I was just like man I, I just really don't want to be here you know what I mean like I, I just wasn't and en- I didn't I didn't enjoy that sort of environment anymore personally I didn't find it um, fulfilling I didn't find it entertaining and I, I couldn't have good conversations with anyone like um, um again I'm, I'm very introverted as well um, so for people who able hey, well, I'm, I'm pretty sure you' you seem to be quite introverted too oh yeah um yeah. like yeah 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 and like you you probably value, you know, really, really good conversations with fewer people than just, you know, nonsensical small talk with various people, right? Um, I, I find that extremely draining um, and unfortunately, a, a, bi- a big part of um, socializing and going out is, you um, is, you know those sort of conversations, and I, I just do not find those conversations add any meaning or anything to my life. You know, so um, shallow as fuck. <laughs> do you know? Um, I, I heard the the best word to describe um people that love small talk, they fessel. Have you ever heard of that word before? Fessel? No, no <laughs> I haven't heard it. It's uh, I think if you look it up, it's it it literally means that you lack any depth. You know, you're, people that talk about, yeah, people who are fessel, they lack depth. They have no, they have nothing. They just speak about how hot the weather is or how cold the weather is. They don't get into like deep conversation, right? One of my favorite words. <laughs> um, any Anywho, yes. Um, yeah, I, I did. I, I was happy to sort of sacrifice that part of my life because at the, at the end of the day, I don't really want to be partying till 1 or 2 a.m., um, you know, hanging around drunk people or people on drugs, and again, that's just not part of my life anymore. And I was, I was happy to give that up, right? Um, and, and yeah, like if if I'm if I'm going to go out with a friend or if I'm going to catch up with a friend, it is going to be usually for like a lunch somewhere, um, or it's going to be somewhere, yeah, like for a coffee or whatever. And I find those those meetups are still like fantastic, you know. And um, it's like I still I still get a lot out of those social interactions as well. And you know, my my job is a PT. I'm, I'm, I'm around people. I'm communicating with people most of the day anyway, you know? So I get a lot of interaction. I get a lot of, um, sort of, I feel I get my social sort of, um, dose from just working with people most of the day. Right. So, um, by the end of the week, I'm actually quite exhausted and I'm like, I just want to lay in bed and, and listen to another podcast on my own. Right. So, um, I don't, I, and I'm very, um, self-sufficient as well like I like to be on my own I've been on my own for quite a while as well so that's probably another caveat as well like if I had um obviously if I had a girlfriend or whatever um, things will probably be a little bit different. Like she, I don't think any girl wants to see me wake up and, you know, hop on the bike <laughs> for, for first thing in the morning. Right. So, um, you know, if that did come about, I'll, I'll happily be able to change my routine around or whatever it was. Um, so yeah, I think my, um, yeah, I would have to say that to, to maintain this condition, it is definitely a full-time gig for, for myself. Um, probably would be for a lot of people as well. Um, but I, again, as I mentioned earlier, I find a huge intrinsic um, value of of doing it. Like I I, find, I get a lot of satisfaction from my day to day. I always every day I feel like I've accomplished a lot. You know what I mean? It's like, man, look how much activity you've done for today, and you know, look how much you've done in your day. You you know what I mean? So um, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that, and I don't know. I I have found it very very hard to verbalize and really really tricky to describe, but yeah, it's just. Um, it's just like little things like me, like me sitting, I'm actually sitting, as we're recording this, I'm actually sitting, um, uh, in like a, in like a side split position and just being able to feel like my, my bones on the floor because my glutes are still super lean, you know, (laughs) it's like little, little weird sensations like that. You know what I mean? Um, or, you know, looking down when I, while I'm driving and just seeing like veins course through my quads <laughs> like I, I get I get like a lot of weird satisfaction out of that I, I don't know why and I know no one even looks at legs everyone hates legs you know what I mean my legs are always covered up most of the time anyway but I'm like man under these pants I can feel my veins just crawling it's delightful <laughs> so it's yeah it's it's it sounds really strange I know it's it's really really weird but um yeah I just get a lot of um yeah, I get a lot of satisfaction out of that for for whatever reason, you know. So um yeah, for for my lifestyle at during this period of my life, it is definitely sustainable. Um it is definitely um a big part of my life. I really do enjoy it. Um I enjoy every every aspect of it. I enjoy the food I get to eat. I enjoy the activity that I'm I'm grateful to have Um, I actually live very close to one of those centers that caters for people who've been severely injured right Um, so every day I walk past um, people who are in wheelchairs or people who are being assisted with everything they do and I'm like fuck man you are one lucky person that you can move the body you can move your body the way you do right Um, so just just things like that um, I think can definitely go a long way Um, yeah, and I think it's—I think a lot of us take for granted what we really do have until we see shit like that, right? You know what I mean? Imagine if all of all of—you—you'd oh, you, understand. Imagine if you got severely injured and you could not, never train anymore. You had a horrible car accident. You could never lift anymore. You know what I mean? Like, that would be absolutely debilitating, right? So, yeah, seeing that stuff and am yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah. You go. I'm not gonna say it online. What I would do in that case.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And and you know I've also thought about that from like a very um even even a deeper level. I was like Ivan, what would happen? You know, if all this got taken away from you, you know, because it it literally is my life, right? You know, um, that would be extremely daunting, you know. And you know, I've I've sort of thought about that possibility, and I'm like, man, if this got stripped away from you, how would you react? You know, I think obviously initially you'd be fucking distraught, but. I don't know. I think us who have been in the iron game for a long time, I think we have this underlying resiliency that we would come out of it in some way, and we would find a positive out of it. You know what I mean? But uh, hopefully that never happens, right? But so that's why, yeah, I, I I'm a big believer in just moving your body as much as you possibly can, and that that's always been like a big um motivator for me as well. Is that because you never know when it could fucking go and um, that would be horrible. That would be truly horrible. So, I don't know, I don't know. I, I've, I'm a, I have a lot of time to think about these things and a lot of alone time to think about these weird, deep thoughts and um, yeah, man, it's just, it, it is just it is literally just part of my life now and um, my, my physique is more just sort of a result of my behaviors that I like to do. You know, like I don't, as I mentioned earlier, I don't look at the steps as a chore. I don't look at the cardio as a chore. I don't look at training as a chore, like all those things bring me so much um, intrinsic pleasure, you know, in, in all, in different aspects, right? Like the gymnastics stuff, the the whole, I think you and I spoke about this the other day was, you know, chasing skills for your training versus just trying to pump up random numbers. It's such a different motivator, you know, um, because you know, I, I can spend hours in the, hours in the gym working on a skill and I'm like, what the fuck, it's been two, three hours. I need to go home and eat. Um, and you know just the other other positive aspects you get from just moving in, in general so yeah I, I don't know it's it's a it's a big part of my life i really enjoy it and for me it is really really sustainable and um yeah i don't know does
0: that does that answer that question or yeah yeah and and, and i want to make a comment that um it's funny because before that you we were kind of laughing or you were saying that like well what i did is not really in line with the ssd philosophy and you know it's it's uh, it's funny because you know, like the way you talk about it and just looking at the facts, like you, first of all, did it for yourself. You were not even public. I mean, you have an Instagram account, I believe, but like there are no half naked pictures and whatever. Not, like nobody can find not, any, not any one, pictures yeah. of you online and stuff. Um, and you, the way you speak about it, you seem to be like an autonomous person. And like a lot of people talk about, a lot of people will say the same things as you're saying that like, yeah, it's so satisfying for me and whatever. And when you really look beyond the surface, like they are aching inside. Like they say that they they don't need the, you know, going out and whatever, having some nights out and whatever. And in reality, they are craving that. And I was sort of one of those people for a while. Like um, I think I was at one of those periods or one of those points in my life when I really needed to have some of that stuff again. And I was saying that it's so satisfying for me to live the fitness lifestyle full on. And when I got a glimpse of going out and having some social interactions and whatever, partying a little bit, it was literally like having a good night of sleep after being sleep deprived for a long time. It was like, oh my (laughs) God, I can't can't believe how much I miss this stuff. Um, But the the point is you have to be self-aware. And the way you speak about it, I really like it is believable, you know, like I don't, it, you don't come across as someone who is like actually hurting inside and you're just, um, fooling yourself. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: No. And I, and that's the thing, like, I, I even questioned that possibility myself. I'm like, am, am I just, is this like a mask for something? And I try to go deeper and I try, that's, I'll put myself in those scenarios of like, cool, let's go out and let's do this. And as I was mentioning on that, on that boat party, I was there like most of the day and, Like, yeah, it was, it was all well and good, but I just didn't feel like I fit in there anymore. Like, again, like everyone was getting really, really drunk. Everyone was getting really wasted. And, um, it's just not who I am as a person, right? And I, I, I hate being incongruent with who I am. Like, I, I just, I'm not going to get drunk for the sake of getting drunk. Um, I'm not going to do drugs for the sake of doing drugs. Like, I'm very um, I'm very stern with what I want to do. Um, I'm not very easily influenced by others, which I, which I think is a good thing. Um, and I don't really care what other people think. Um, but that, that took me a long time to get to because I think looking back, a lot of the reasons that I did go out and did party and whatnot was... I just wanted to be liked by other people. I wanted other people to think that that was what I wanted to do. Um, when I've always been quite introverted, I've always been sort of to myself, and um, and I always thought I was like I've always thought it was a bit strange in that regard. I was like, "Fuck, am I just a weirdo who just likes being on their own?" You know. Um, and that's the thing, like I'm I, I can be happy in a relationship, I can be happy in like a group of friends for a small period of time, but I can also be just as happy on my own. Like I don't feel like if I am by myself that I have to go and crave someone's attention or I have to go and be like, oh, I need people to talk to me. Otherwise I'm just gonna die, you know? Um I, I don't know, I've always been sort of like that and um yeah just yeah just trying to put myself because again like I was like man just just go out put yourself out in that environment you know what I mean and again I was fucking like comp comp lean um on a boat party in summer in Australia you know that's like the perfect scenario for a male right and I was like eh that's it's everyone's like wow you're shredded thanks (laughs) that that's it you know you know what I mean um it wasn't, yeah, it just wasn't. Oh, were you like half naked and everything? Yeah, yeah it was It was a boat party, right? Everyone's like, what the oh. fuck is that? It's like a walk, walk, walking anatomy chart. <laughs> right. I think it was actually more scary for a lot of people. Um, so, but um, yeah, but you know, it's that sounds like everyone who's like, oh, that's what I want to get shredded for. So, I want to be shredded so I can walk around on a boat party and everyone be like, oh my God, <laughs> doesn't give didn't didn't give didn't like give me any satisfaction at all i was like yeah i just want to go home back to doing what i normally do because i just don't want to really be here you know what i mean um so yeah but again like that's that's what i mean so i don't if when i'm you know when i'm having an early night on a saturday night because i know i'm going to get up in the morning and do my my cycling on a sunday morning i'm not being like oh I don't get to go out tonight because I have to wake up in the morning. I'm like, fuck yeah, I cannot wait to have a beautiful night's sleep tonight while everyone's out getting ridiculously drunk. And I can wake up fresh as a daisy and continue doing what I love to do, you know? And, um, I know that's going to sound very, very boring to a lot of people. Um, but, but to me, that, that gives me a lot of, um, personal satisfaction and, um, yeah, that's just that's just the way I love to live my life, you know what I mean? And uh, and yeah, I, I have tried to go out every now and then and yeah, as you just said, you you lose a um oh, well anyway, yeah, you just lose a good night of sleep, right? And you just wake up the next day cranky. Anyway, so yeah, that's um that that's pretty much my life, guys. I'm um I'm quite I seem to be quite a boring person from the from the outside, but um yeah, I I I love the way I live my life currently anyway. Um again, I could just wake up one day and go what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> but until that day happens, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and yeah, I've, I've I've managed to sort of yeah, sustain this condition. Um very or very very close to it. Um I'm still getting my morning bonus, which is a good sign. <laughs> so that that was definitely one thing that started to go towards the end of the of the prep as well. Like that was yeah, pretty much non-existent. Um But yeah, I've noticed that, you know, maybe if my lightest was about, yeah, 75 and a half, 76, um, I find that between 77, 78, that seems to be the perfect blend, um, perfect blend for me in regards to leanness, fullness, performance, um, and just, yeah, cognitive abilities. And it still allows me every now and then to have a nice big refeed day, um, which I, again, I'll just auto-regulate that as well. Um I think I had one yesterday. I think cows went up to like five thousand. Um had close to nine hundred grams of carbohydrates and yeah, I just I just needed that. Um and I I personally just felt yeah, even 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 just today, like just feel worlds better, you know what I mean? And and then again I'll just go back to my normal um maintenance calories and I know I'll be fine for another week or two, and then if I need a nice little refeed, I'll just bump them up again, you know. And um, yeah, that's pretty much sort of how how i live my life and yeah it's, it's, it's good fun it's character building
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah um just a couple of more questions um when you're sitting just a kind of random question when you sit down to eat your meals do you eat them like pretty mindfully like do you focus on your food or or do you also listen to some stuff
1: I uh, yeah that's a very good question because i know that um i actually this is gonna find this very strange i actually love seeing when you put up new videos because i'm yeah because it's not like the perfect like like maybe 15 or 20 minutes sometimes I'm like, yeah, this is going to last me a whole meal, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm, um, I'm, I'm definitely one who, um, again, my, my meals are like a little ritual, you know what I mean? Like, um, I'll cook my food. I make I try to cook pretty much. I hate taking my food with me anywhere. I'll always try to have like a nice home cooked meal all the time. Um, but yeah, it's like a nice little, yeah, I'll cook my meals, um, and yeah, I'll literally sit down and I'll listen to it either I'll either watch like a really nice cool YouTube vid or, um, listen to a good podcast. But because all my foods are already like measured out and stuff, I still measure out everything. I still track everything just because I like, I like doing it again. Like it's not, I think I've heard you mention as well, Abel, that you find it just annoying and you find it more anxiety inducing or it just adds more stress to your life. But I think you were talking to, is it, um, so- Sotak, is that how you pron- pronounce his name? Yeah. Yeah. Sotak. Yeah. So attack. Um and even he was saying that like he still measures everything out just because he likes it, right? Um, right, right. it just gives him yeah, it, it it it's not an added stress to my life at all. Mm-hmm. It's just a habit that I just keep doing, yeah, right? Um so and again, like um everything's all weighed out, everything's all measured, and I'll sit down and have my meals. Um and again, I don't have to worry about overeating while watching because I know exactly how much food I'm eating, um, so I can focus on my food. And and yeah, just watch a really informative video. It's sort of what I love doing, to be to be honest. Um, yeah, it's just a it's a lovely experience. So yeah, I don't know. A lot of people are like, Yeah, you want to be mindful and you know, not have any sound or not have any audio or not have any visual. But I think that only becomes an issue if you're maybe prone to overeating, I guess. Um, but I I just find it adds to my experience. It doesn't um detract from it at all. Especially
0: when someone like you, mate, are uh, dishing out some really good information. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the other question I had is like, speaking of me, so when someone like me or whatever, some people that you follow on YouTube or Instagram or whatever, put out a video or something like, yeah, guys, I did a mini cut. It was so hard. I got down to 9% body fat. Like, <laughs> how, how is it for you to watch it? Like, yeah, so you went from super obese to slightly less obese. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, to, to be to be honest,
1: um, I... Uh, it's it doesn't bother me at all because I know everyone's experience is different um, and I know that everyone has a different perspective, mm-hmm. right? Um, I'll, I will never know how you feel when dieting. Um, no one will ever know how I really feel when I'm dieting. I'm just describing my experience to you. Um, so, yeah, no, I'm never like, oh, pff, weak as piss, you know what I mean? Like, um yeah it doesn't it doesn't really bother me to be, <laughs> to be honest because I know you know it's hard or difficult is what you perceive it to be right so yeah no, nah, I, I don't I don't really doesn't phase me too much I have a little bit of a giggle sometimes but yeah it doesn't it doesn't make me angry or anything or it doesn't make me like perk up but um <laughs> but yeah it's um yeah nah i I want to see those people get down to like lean, lean, and then then see what I have to say. But,
0: you know, yeah. Um, did you like what, like, I'm kind of intrigued. And this might be something that for my next cut, which might be like, you know, whatever month or two, uh, I may try out um, the high energy expenditure yeah. out. Like, what do you think? Like, if you didn't do the cardio, and you didn't do the all the steps that you, you do, like, uh, if you live like a reasonably sedentary lifestyle, like how much lower do you think your calories would have to be?
1: Yeah' that's a good that's a good question. Um, so what I found I, now at my body weight, so if I wanted to maintain 77 kilos um, based on my activity, so I, I'm using this information from um, have you heard of Kevin Hall's little website Bodyweight planner? To be fair, I, I would say that's probably the most accurate thing that I have used when it comes to, um, calculating proper expenditure and intake for your body weight and body fat. So for those who are listening, um, if you guys really want to set up your calories, um, I would look at that because when I, when I decided to get back down to where I wanted to be, which is like 77, um, down from like 81, um, the calculations were like perfectly correct, um, based on my expenditure, right? So, um, to maintain, for me to get down to seventy-seven with my current activity levels, I can maintain that body weight, that body fat, with uh, close to thirty-six hundred calories a day, which is um, which is decent. You know what I mean for someone that that light. You know, um, I would assume that if my um, I think if you just plug in just normal activity levels, I reckon if I wanted to maintain seventy-seven, I would, I would probably have to eat maybe twenty-five to twenty-six. So if I think it gives me about a thousand calorie buffer, um, some days more, some days less give or take. But I think if I was to, yes, yeah, stop, maybe get my steps down to like a normal intake or to a normal step count or slash my cardio down to nothing, I would say it's probably maybe a t- thousand to 1200 calories, um, extra that I'm adding on. Um, oh, that's just an assumption I, I'm, I'm going to make. Um, just based on, no, I, again, I don't, I don't think I'm super, uh, nah, I would say I'm a bit more genetically blessed in regards to getting lean than most, but I wouldn't say it's like a Alberto Nunez sort of type situation. I'm pretty sure that guy gets shredded without even, he's, I think his only cardio was like 10,000 steps at one point, but that was it. There was nothing else, right? So I wouldn't put myself in that category. Um, But yeah, I I would say I could probably maintain um, 77 at potentially maybe even less than 2,600 really, because I remember before before my cut when I was like 85, 86, I was maintaining at maybe 3,000. So yeah, and that's now I'm like almost 10 kilos lighter. That's a lot of weight, right? <laughs> so if I if I had the same behaviors then, maybe yeah, maybe be closer to 24, 25, you know? But yeah, that's, that's a good question. I'm not too sure. Might have to experiment with that as well if
0: I slashed everything. You know what would happen, so. Right, um, cool. So uh, yeah, man. I I think I think I asked you all my questions. So yeah, but that, that might be something that I'm gonna try out because um, yeah, man. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know if I could maintain the same food choices that I have now and uh, steadily gaining weight at and to like drop re- drop weight at a reasonable pace. I don't know. I don't know if that would be possible because I'm fairly sedentary now.
1: Yeah, because you're 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 like what 91 kilos now. Is that right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, how many calories are you on now? Um I would say like just under 4000 probably. Yeah, that's solid, man. That's big. That's yeah. a lot of food, eh. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. So, yeah, I mean even if even if I went down to like around 3000, increase my energy expenditure a lot, even that's pretty good spot to be at a like a fat loss phase.
1: Oh, I agree. Um and that's what even um The guys that I was working with, um, he was because a lot of what they do, they'll they'll get them, they'll get a lot of people very very lean, right? But then they'll they'll start the reverse diet with a lot of them, and when you look at like a typical reverse dieting protocol, it's your calories come up, right? And then your activity levels drop quite a bit too, to you know, like to let fatigue disappear or whatever. But I think a lot of them are now going to sort of incorporate because I was sort of like, well, I'm happy to keep my expenditure where it is. Let's just bring food up and see how high we can bring it up right, before right. I start putting on unnecessary weight, right? So, And the, my, my reasoning for that was, mm-hmm. well, the habits are already ingrained. That's the hard bit done, right? Like the, we've got the habits established. Let's just now start toggling food and seeing how high we can bring it up. Um, maybe, maybe most would not be happy doing that. Maybe for most towards the end of their fat loss phase, they're like, I don't want to do fucking 20,000 steps. I don't want to do any more cardio. Get me out of that. Get me off that fucking treadmill. I'd never want to see it ever again. Right. So I guess it comes down to, um, the person, but yeah, um, I think a lot can be said for going the expenditure route, um, simply because when you're exercising and when you're, when you're active, that is also less time spending thinking about food. So I think that can be another good hack because I'm sure, I don't know about you, but I think you most people get hungry when they're just sitting there thinking about food. Not when you're actually walking around and you're or you're doing something, you're engaged in something. Um, it's a very easy way to keep your mind off food. So you get that double whammy of increasing energy expenditure and also keeping your mind off, off food, um, which can, again, allows for more calories, which means your meals are a lot more satisfying than just, you know, chicken and broccoli, right? So I uh, I would rec- I would recommend, yeah, if you have the time, and you have the resources that um going the expenditure route versus just, you know, slashing the cows down. I think it's a much better way to go. And also, um, just another, I was doing a bit more thinking as well. Um, you know, if you increase your expenditure, you obviously allow more, more room for calories, which allows more room for micronutrients, right? Um, especially when you're dieting down to very lean conditions. Like if you're just slashing calories all the time, well, that means, okay, you're, you're having less sweet potato, you're having less, um, Calories that contain a lot of good nutrients as well, right? So, um, it's much easier to keep a decent micronutrient status while dieting um, if your expenditure is a little bit higher too. So you can get more good quality food in, not not shitty quality. So that's just another thing I was thinking about as well. So yeah, um, I, I think it's a really good way to go if you have the resources and if you have the time. So yeah, man, give it a shot. It'll be good.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's one of those things. Like many people, like um, because it's a general recommendation now that well don't go crazy with the cardio and whatever but like if you have the time and if you have the uh the resources then it's kind of one of those things like when i was a 19 year old kid and i started reading about this minimalistic training practices and i was like i had like a summer vacation my mom yeah. was paying for my food and I, it was like okay so why am i only going to the gym twice a week well because minimalistic training was like bro you're on a summer vacation. Your mommy's buying your food. <laughs> yeah, uh,
1: the whole, the whole like scared to lose muscle thing as well. Like that was one thing I had in my brain as well. Um, but to like just to put things in a perspective and just a caveat, I'm not telling anybody to do this. I'm not recommending this to anybody. Um, I I have literally done some sort of like interval sprints on a, on a bike um, for the last five months, every single day. Now, am I saying that all those sessions are the same? Fuck no. Like I definitely, I definitely taxes my recovery every now and then. Um, but this is again, some intervals pretty much every day, the last five months, are my legs a little, not as muscular as they would be if I was squatting quite a bit, potentially, but my legs are fucking absolutely diced and shredded and their appearance, their aesthetics are a lot better than what they've ever been. And, um, This is my only leg training is literally cycling. But again, as I mentioned before, I was relatively lucky in the leg department when it comes to, um, you know, good body parts. So maybe that is, that is all the stimulus they need, right? And when you, when you think about it though, it's, it's all, it's all concentric, right? It's all metabolite buildup. So maybe for me, that could be enough to maintain them. But I have personally not seen any quad loss, um, like in regards to how they look. Um, they are a lot smaller than what they were but I've, I just think they have less body fat on them these days and that is why they are smaller so to speak um, the separations in my quads um, and vascularity through there is like uh, uh, very similar to like a physique athlete a natural physique athlete not a not someone on gas right so that is, that is my own experience that is my own anecdote I get that um, but that is what I've seen and, and again that's, that's intervals every, almost every day pretty much every day so, yeah, and, and not because I'm doing it because there is some metabolic advantage to it. I just like doing it out of um, just personal personal enjoyment, right? And I think that is a huge, important caveat for a lot of people. Like all the training that you guys are doing, I, you have to love it. You have to love it because, yeah, if you don't, you just won't fucking do it. You know what I mean? So, I think a lot can be said for just, just doing things that you really enjoy Despite of what the best evidence shows, um, I'm just saying that from my own experience. Please don't take that as gospel, and you know, start destroying yourself. But um, that that's what I've noticed um
0: personally, and yeah, it's yeah, it's been great. So yeah. next next diet, yeah. I'm still I'm still gonna keep calories high, keep cardio low, and take three diet breaks per week. <laughs> <laughs> You'll definitely be lean by two thousand and thirty. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm going to preserve so much more lean tissue, so and my metabolism will be amazing exactly. by
1: Exactly. So. Yeah. And that's yeah, just on that front as well, like um yeah, I thought my metabolism would be you know how everyone I, I think the whole metabolic damage thing has now been completely debunked as well. Um but yeah, um there was no metabolic slowdown for me. And and because again, like I was um I was controlling pretty much as many variables as I possibly could, right? Like my knee, my activity and my you know, everything, right? Um, my my weight loss was still weight loss and weight gain was still very very predictable, right? Like even even the second time that I cut down, you know, after I went from eighty one down to seventy seven, like my weight still right. dropped just as fast as it did on the first time, which was um pretty cool. You know what I mean? Like it's we are just yes we are not we can't just create energy out of nothing. Um, this whole metabolic slowdown metabolic thing. Um yeah, I think it's very. Misrep, misrep, I think again, people, you're not going to find many who are as diligent as I am when it comes to like controlling as many variables, but it just shows that when you do actually control these variables, that everything happens as predicted, um, which is reassuring um, and yeah, really, really cool. So, yeah, guys, don't be scared, your metabolism will be fine.
0: (laughs) Awesome. And so, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. I asked you all my questions, and what time is it at where you are now? Um, it is 10 to seven. So I'll be going to bed in half now. No, (laughs) it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's
1: close to
0: 7pm here. Then I'll let you go. (laughs) Yeah. So cool. So, um, yeah. So thank you so much for doing this. Um, are you findable, um, Online uh, somewhere, or you're still in person only?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I I am available online, but again, I don't have any half naked pics of me because I'm just not like that. But I think Abel will put some up in his YouTube video, um, so you guys can have a bit of a perv. Huh. But my um my my Instagram is um Ivan Dam I I Y E V A N D A M M um and it's just got pretty much pictures and videos of me doing weird mobility things because that's what I do these days. So if you want to see some guy doing some side splits, um, doing some cr- a little bit of crazy stuff on the rings, um, go, go check it out. And, um, yeah, if you, if you want some coaching when it, in regards to, you know, physique in regards to gymnastics based stuff, mobility stuff, just, um, just hit me up and, um, be more than happy to help you out. And I promise I won't give you my, my regime. I promise. <laughs> yeah. Step
0: number one, wake up at 3am. That's it. <laughs> yeah
1: disregard
0: all social aspects of your life and dedicate your life to being shredded. That is what you need to do. (laughs) Awesome, man. Uh, Thank you so much for doing this. It was uh, really awesome talking to you. No worries. Thanks, Abel. Good to chat. Alright guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview with Ivan. If you want to be updated on future episodes like this, then subscribe to the Sustainable Stealth Development Podcast on whatever podcasting platform you're listening to this from. And if you're on YouTube, then definitely subscribe to my YouTube channel because more interviews like this will come in the future and also a lot of informative videos that I'm doing at the moment. I'm sharing some personal stories about my fitness journey and overall life development, which I think can be relevant and helpful for anybody. What or listening to these and also just a lot of informative fitness concepts related to dieting or training that is in my mind and I think can be relevant to some of you or also shared these days very frequently on the channel so definitely subscribe there if you have a chance definitely let me know in the comment section what you thought and stay in tuned for future content like this so I really hope you enjoyed this episode and with that see you next time